and welcome to the Joy for Ministry podcast. I am so glad that you are here for today's episode. I sit down with my friend, Karen Stiller, and have a conversation about her new book. Karen is a senior editor of Faith Today, Canada's Christian magazine. She's a host of the Faith Today podcast. She's a writer, and we talk about her new book, The Minister's Wife. This book was inspiring to me. It was encouraging. It challenged me to look at ministry in different ways. Take a listen to our conversation. I know you will be blessed by Karen. Hi, Karen. Hi, Joy. Thank you so much for being here today. Well, I am thrilled to be here. I can't wait to talk to you. So thank you for having me. Yes, I was just saying that I'm, I am surprised by your book. I read your book, but we'll get into that. I just want to learn a little bit about you and what you do and your family. Yeah, that, great. Well, I um, am speaking to you from Ottawa, Ontario, which is where we live. My husband is an Anglican priest uh, and the church that um, we're a part of is here. We have three adult children, uh, 25, 23, and 20. Um, who are all in school. Uh, so that's good. They're all in good places in their lives right now. I am a writer uh, by profession. I started writing, um, well, just about 25 years ago, actually, when our first uh, son was born. Um, I was, we, my husband was already a pastor and I had the conviction that it would help if I made some money. And so um, I, in some ways I was naive because being a writer isn't really a great moneymaker typically, but I wanted something I could do from home. So I, I approached a little small town newspaper in the town we lived in and asked if they would let me, you know, if they would take a chance on me and they did. And from there oh. over the years, I've built up a writing vocation and editing. So I'm editor of a, like co-editor of a Canadian Christian magazine called Faith Today. Um, I've, I'm also a freelance writer and editor. Almost all of my writing uh, is within the world of the church press, I guess you would say. So it's been a nice life, a nice working writing life for me to write about things I really care about. And then um, in May of 2020, uh, the spiritual memoir you you referenced was released uh, called The Minister's Wife. Yeah. Mm, great. Well, thank you for that. I stumbled upon you just in, you know, I've started this ministry for women in ministry and I came upon The Minister's Wife, you know, a few months ago and I was like, I have to get this book. And you so graciously responded to me and we started talking, but I was surprised by this book because, you know, I'm not the biggest reader and I generally, I have this weird habit of not only starting books, but also starting shows and just not finishing them. Like okay. I could get really into it. So I read your book front to back and I was laughing, I was crying and I had to stop and and read it to my husband, different clips, like through wow. tears. Aww, and thank you, I think Joy. the thing that surprised me was I expected to read it and go, oh yeah, me too. Or, oh yeah, I can relate to that. What I didn't expect was to be moved in such a way where I was challenged. And, um, you know, like after you hear that sermon or you go to a Bible study and you feel the Lord speaking to you, I felt the Lord speaking specific things to me through reading your book. And, um, it, I did have those times of me too, I can relate to that, but you put this beautiful um, picture of the challenges of ministry also with really great things that I feel like women in ministry right now should read this book because it's not only you can relate, but you are challenged and encouraged. So it really meant a lot to me. Well, thank you, Joy. I and that means a lot to me to hear that because I really um, I wanted my love for the church to come out. I didn't want to write a book that was um, negative, but I still wanted to write a book that was true, of course. And so, as I wrote and explored and dug deep into my own you know, faith and life and experiences and stories and story, I, I was reminded of my, 
appreciation and love for the church, uh, even as it can be so, so annoying (laughs) and hard and hard for us and people like us who are in this life. And um, so I really appreciate that. I, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Well, thank you. You know, I, I think what you give the truth and the hard parts, and then you come behind it and you say, this is, this is why I love it, or this is what has challenged me. And so you write it with that, that knowledge of being in it and showing your love for the church. And that's what I love for, for this ministry is, okay, let's talk about the hard things because when you don't talk about it, you're, you feel isolated, but then let's also come and show, you know, how you can thrive in ministry. Right. So tell us a little bit about writing the minister's wife. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I didn't necessarily, I didn't know what I was writing in a way. I didn't have, uh, a big, I didn't set out to think a few years ago, oh, I, I need to write a book about being a minister's wife. I wasn't thinking that. Um, what I did, I went back to school uh, uh, and I did a Master of Fine Art and Creative Nonfiction. It's called so an MFA and MFAs typically require a big project of whatever, um, you know, whatever art you're pursuing. And so for me, it was a book length manuscript. And because I've been a professional writer uh, all my working life, I um, I thought, well, I could write about stuff like I've written about before. Like I had, I was playing with the idea of writing about uh, refu- refugees because we had been involved in that work. And, uh, and then I thought, you know, this is my opportunity to kind of dig deep and I, do the kind of writing that I haven't done with a sort of a self-examination kind of writing. And, um, you know, writers talk about it being like an excavation of the soul. I've heard Mm. that (laughs) phrase before, which resonated with me. Um, So I just kind of started to write about it. And I was doing this within, you know, a secular MFA program. It wasn't, you know, a Christian program, which is actually what I'd wanted, but I couldn't afford it. (laughs) So I, but in the end, it was, I think, better for my work, because my writing was being read and workshopped, actually, by people who would not, um, you know, I think, for some people, I was their first minister's wife, (laughs) you know, and there was, so they were curious about the church, and that was interesting to me, Um, and I think really open to, questioning and examining their own ideas that they'd had. So it was just cool to um, interact with readers as Mm. I was writing the book along that line. So then anyway, I kind of went from topic to topic and deep dug into these areas that I think are common to everyone. Like my chapters are, you know, friendship, um, envy, parenting or family, I think I call it, um, marriage, community, forgiveness. So all of these topics that are relevant, I think, to any person and any person of faith, but particularly, um, I think, unique for me anyway, as a minister's wife, I've experienced them and lived through them in a particular way because of this life we lead. And that's kind Mm -hmm. of what I dug into. And then before I knew it, I did have a book on my hands and uh, Tyndale House picked it up and it came out in 2020. So Wow. And I was scared. I was, I I will say I was uh, like scared that people would read it and not like me or that I was like spilling the beans, right? (laughs) you know, about being a minister's wife and that other minister's wives might read it and think, well, I'm not that bad. And, you know, you're misrepresenting (laughs) me. I'm not that grumpy or, or whatever. Um, but when my husband Brent read it, which was uh, really at the end of the process, when I thought, okay, this actually is going to be published, then he read it for the first time. Uh, and he was okay with it and liked it. And that gave me really the confidence I needed for the next yeah. step. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what was that like? Because you speak about not having him involved or talking to him about the book until you were done. Right. Was that, were you like nervous in him reading it? <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to have to scrap this and start over or what, what I was, was that re- like? I was, uh, you know what I had to do? I, the, he went away for a week with, like I printed it out, put it in a binder 
and handed it to him and he went off on a study break. And that week I had to do, I had to begin the work of letting it go in case he came back and said, I'm not comfortable with this. I don't want you to publish it. I don't think I would have, to be honest, I don't think I would have had the energy or the desire to rewrite it from, yeah. I mean, I had to do a lot of rewriting, but you know, did like take it from an entirely different angle. I, I knew that for, for me to want it out there, it had to be as transparent and vulnerable as it actually was and as honest as it is. And if he wasn't comfortable with that, I would have not done it, of course, but I would have been angry with him, I think. Right. <laughs> and I would have been really disappointed. And so I, that week when he was away reading it, I had to, I had to come to grips with that a little bit and realize like, oh, this will be hard. I am completely committed to not going forward if he's not comfortable, but if he's not comfortable, that's going to be hard. I'm not going right. to pretend it would be easy, but you know, happily that didn't happen. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's really good. Well, you know, some of the chapters and the topics, you know, that you, you know, address in here, um, are things that I talk to other pastor's wives about and women in ministry. It's not just, um, you know, minister's wife, but also women who are in ministry and they're just, you know, talking about identity. And the first thing that I was like, wow, this book is different was talking about identity. And I'm just going to read this little section if you're okay with that. Oh, please. I'd, um, I'd love to hear you read it. Okay. <laughs> it would be fun for me. You talk about expectations, which is a word that I talk to other pastors wives about so much. You say, not all expectations are bad. Some save you. For me, one is the expectation that I will be there and belong, that I will show up and be part of this faith and of that church, big or small, east or west, city or country, year after year, hardly missing a beat and rarely a Sunday and never a good rummage sale. Showing up and choosing to belong have been ways that I've loved my husband well and learned to love God better and certainly the people who bug me. To belong is a discipline that helps me to believe. The conviction I have that I need to appear at church and probably not every minister spouse feels this, feels this way has tethered me when I might have otherwise floated away as the best hearted people sometimes do. I have seen enough people drift away from their faith to know that holding on to mine is what is best for me. And church with all its imperfections is faith's incubator. Church is faith's hospital, its picnic grounds, its sheltering tree, and also the rich soil from which it grows. Church embraces faith and holds it tenderly with strong arms. It embraces me. And so I love the church, even when it expects more of me than I think it should. I read that and I, I was crying because you put this beautiful spin on expectations. We talk about expectations as being something bad. And when you talk about this, I saw myself in one of those people that would float away from yeah. church. Yeah. I have family that won't step foot in church because of hurt or different things. Yeah. And so put this beautiful spin on these expectations. Thanks, Joy. I have lots of people who have floated away and I'm, some people have really surprised me, you know, people we were in seminary with, um, who have left the church, maybe not forever, but for a time at least. And I, uh, I totally understand how that would happen. And yeah, I, it's interesting that, uh, and I will say that wasn't as much fun as I thought it was going to be listening to you read it. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, I went on too much. That was my feeling. Um, but that's I, funny. I think it's <laughs> it, it's funny when you hear what you wrote, how you're, you know, picking that apart. Oh, but so true. Yeah, writers are, are we're not very kind to ourselves sometimes, right? Um, I do think um, that. Well, I think what happened with me is when we started and began this life and I realized uh, pretty quickly in that people assumed spiritual gifts in me even that maybe I didn't have mm. or they assumed that I was a much like kinder uh, patient person um, than I was 
although I would have aspired to be better, uh, like we all do, that I realized I was faced with the gap between what they thought and what I knew to be true. And in that gap was where eventually I found grace uh, mm. to, to believe that I was good enough and that it was okay and that I get God's grace too. And, yeah. and also to work, like even just the act of being patient, uh, a patient listener, let's say, um, with someone who wants, to, like someone, a church person who wants to talk to me and wants to entrust me with a very important story. Um, and maybe I'm tired that day, but I, right. I have, I, I feel I need to listen. And that's not being fake. That is trying. <laughs> right. And in the trying, I'm both faced with how bad I am at it, but then also like, oh, I, I can do this. I can right. work at this. And just because it doesn't come naturally to me, I feel, it doesn't mean I can't do it. And there's growth there, you know, there's opportunity there. And so there's that. I think that's like an expectation that can, um, you know, help us grow in our own right. life with God. But also, yeah, showing up. Like I do know some minister spouses who don't attend church right <laughs> and I'm like on one hand I'm like wowed by their you know boldness but on the other I'm like oh I couldn't yeah. I couldn't do that I don't think right. I could do that I I I want to help Brent like even as right. I don't want to be slotted into somebody's idea of what a minister's wife is I do want I want to be part of it like if it's so much a part of our lives which it is right? It just seeps into everything. Then why wouldn't I want to be a part of it? Like, that's how I've survived, right. I think. Yeah, you we're going to talk about this a little bit later. But you talk about community and how, you know, the church and people they carry you. Mm. And it's such a, a, a fertile ground, like even you saying here, it's faith's incubator. And yeah. you paint that in such a great light. And I, I think seeing that perspective really helped me. So see these things that are challenging, that are hard, these expectations and looking at them in a new light was honestly freeing. It was yeah. like, okay, this is hard, but this could be good. This is a good hard. And so I, I just thought it was absolutely beautiful. And it, it brought me to tears. That was one of those moments I was like reading to my husband, like, listen to this. Thanks, Joy. <laughs> so that was so good. So um, another thing I wanted to look at is, is actually just what I was saying about community. Um, and you talk about, this is further down in the book, you talk about, you know, you're, you're not a, the best singer and you're there and you're with the choir and you start singing and you say, you know, how they made you sound better. Yeah. And they, you say, they carried me, they changed me. I was improved because they were behind me. They took me exactly as I was and helped transform me because I was a part of them. And I knew this thing I was a part of had everything to do with God and worship and community that is church. That is what it is and what it does. It helps us welcome each other, carry each other. It helps point us to holiness and move us that way together towards that warm light. It is all our brokenness pointed and moving in the same direction. In church, we arrive broken and are put back together like beautiful vases fallen off a high shelf. To be broken and to know it means you are aware of who you really are in your deepest and darkest places. And you go on, you talk about, you know, so many people that have dropped out of church and walked away from this kind of community, something yeah. bad happens at church um, and they, they walk away. Um, you said we could hurt each other, but I think that those who left are missing something important. They have left behind something full of imperfections and full of the potential of love. And I, I think this is so important, not only for people that are in church, but are also ministers, wives, women in ministry that show up and are hurt there mm -hmm. and yeah. don't see the, the beauty of that carrying of each other. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's interesting. I think, I don't know how 
people live the Christian life alone. And we're not meant to, right? So it's not, it's not good to be alone mm -hmm. uh, in our faith life. And the challenge uh, for, for ministry spouses and people in ministry would be where does that togetherness happen? Um, that true togetherness that's built on transparency and vulnerability and so on. And we'll probably talk about this later with friendship um, because, uh, because we need to be able to be honest about our, you know, brokenness. And it's, it's interesting hearing you read that back. Cause I, one thing I was really aware of um, as I continued to work through the book was the use of the word brokenness because I, mm. I feel like it's overused sometimes. Mm. Um, and that, and that's why I came up with that, you know, however weak it is sort of vase metaphor that we're broken, but we're actually put back together, uh, you know, right. because of what Jesus did and who he is. And so we don't, yes, we don't remain there, you know, shattered on the floor We're we're, we grow, you know, we grow toward that warm light and that, that warm light of Christ changes us and, and being in community together changes us and pointed, you know, being pointed in the right same direction changes us over time. So I really, um, that, that's important, I think, uh, for me to remember and, and for, for other people to remember, there is a walk to holiness that we are, right on which is why I, I ended my book with a chapter on holiness like yeah no we're not there yet but uh, but right. yet we are because god says we are right? right so anyway i'm starting to go down a rabbit trail but um i think it's so important for people in ministry to have community in their church but also community outside of their church with say other pastors and spouses and people who they can be 100 percent um you know, journeying with in complete honesty as right. complete as possible. Right. Definitely. Did you ever have those moments like, as you're writing this and walking through this, did you, could you think of times where you were like wanting to walk away or be that person that was like, I'm checking out. And how did you navigate through that? That is such a good question. Um, I think more, there were times when I just was kind of tired of it, maybe. Like, I would experience that in many episodes on many Sunday mornings, mm. <laughs> you know, where, so I don't think I've, I have felt a big, um, like, I'm leaving, I want to leave the faith, or I haven't felt that, although I've had times of doubt, and where I've doubted everything, you know, I've, right. I've, we say in my tradition, we say the Apostles' Creed every Sunday. And sometimes I've heard myself saying it and I'm like, what am I, what, huh? <laughs> like, right. And, but I, but that's like, to me, the beauty and strength of liturgy. And, and that can be like a symbol for what we're talking about. Um, mm. What is true doesn't change because of what I feel about it. And so the good. structure keeps me intact. It keeps me tethered, um, as we said earlier. So um, I will, I've had this so many Sunday mornings and I'm betting a lot of other people have too, where I think, I don't, I don't, nothing to wear <laughs> and I don't want to iron anything. And my kids are, you know, awful and, the house is a disaster and my husband's been already gone for four hours and I'm going to be late. Um, and you know, we're going to come in and be loud and whatever, all those things. And I think I don't want to go, but then we go and I'm glad I went. Right. Yes. <laughs> you know, I've probably have had that lots more Sundays than I haven't. Right. And that reminds me of something important that is mm. bigger, you know, that, um, yeah, we are, we are in this life together and it helps to gather. Mm. Yes. Um, I love when you talk about kids and your family, because I found myself relating you talk in one section um, in family about how, when you would meet other pastors, kids, you would say, what did your parents do? Right. And what was it like to be a minister's kid? 
um, tell me what to do and what not to do. And that's what you wanted to know. And I was like, yes. And sometimes that's a dangerous question to ask because yeah. you realize like, oh, my parents did this. Like you hear something, oh, they did this right or whatever. And you're like, I don't ever do that. That's not something I would ever do. But I've talked a lot recently about other, you know, about women who are more seasoned in ministry and raising their kids. And I, I say to them, okay, you know, I have a 17 year old, a 13 year old and an eight year old. And I'm like, tell me what you did, right? Cause all three of your kids are walking with the Lord. Like what's the magic formula. And I love, um, you know, I, I just love some things you say, you say, I, I almost always heard the same replies. If the church hurt their parents, those adult children carried that weight and often yeah. anger. They felt protective of their parents in hindsight, angry at a congregation they felt betrayed them. I also heard from kids who felt they were second in importance to the church because their dads were always running away to emergencies or taking calls at night, not really being present even when they were with their families. And, you know, we have been through church pain. We've been through mm -hmm. church hurt that has affected my kids. And so it was challenging to hear that. And I think what I got from this is it's great to ask people and other kids, what did your parents do right? What did they do wrong? Um, but I love when you talk about, you know, being present yeah. and, you know, not letting your kids see like, like for us, sometimes we try to protect our kids, but it's just there. There's right. that, you know, they walk through it with us. Um, so making sure you say the happy stories, the good mm -hmm. things and balancing that. Yeah, so I think that's really important. Like uh, we, um, we have, you know, walked through the valleys too. And I think we, we tried to keep in mind uh, the big story of our children's faith and that we mm -hmm. wanted to protect that. So, so it wasn't that we didn't share, you know, what was really happening, but we definitely, um, you know, told it in an appropriate way and with the goal, our goal. Like, I think we would feel that, um, I would feel very sad if my, any one of our three children, you know, did not have a good relationship, you know, with their faith and Jesus right. as adults, uh, because of something that we had exposed them to, or, you know, or that we could have stopped them. We could have helped. We could have helped. We don't want to help hurt. We want to help their faith journey. And mm -hmm. so I think that was really, um, we were very aware of that because we had seen so many adult children who didn't have anything to do with the church, right. uh, adult children of pastors. But you know what, one thing we did, um, I didn't talk about this in the book, I don't think, because I wasn't really trying to give advice so much, but I will give advice right now is we sent our kids to Christian camp, a really mm -hmm. good, uh, and by good, I mean, just like gospel centered Christian camp. Mm. Uh, for us, it was intraversity. And we, we, somebody else gave us this advice and they, they said, borrow the money. <laughs> wow. This is good debt. And so we're, that was all we needed to hear. Like it released us to get out our credit card every summer. And we sent our kids to, you know, a camp we could hardly afford probably. Um, but it shaped them and their faith lives to this day in a very profound way because it it showed them a bigger church a mm -hmm. bigger you know world um that there were other youth their age um you know who, who were cool you know and fun and you know they their best friends to this day are camp friends and i that is my if someone asked me my single most important piece of advice that's it. Send them to camp, invest wow. in that, pay it off like you would your house. Wow. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> I'm putting a star next to it. Talk to my husband about, okay. <laughs> Honestly, I cannot recommend it enough. Great. Well, thank you. You, and I don't want to, 
you know, read too much, but this is just so good. You talk about the church is like the sixth member of your family. And I can so relate to that. You said sometimes, you know, it's like a wonderful auntie, you know, you can, she can throw a tantrum or show up with an armful of gifts. She demands attention, but she also hugs you tight. I just, I, I love it. I love looking at it like, like this is part of our family and sometimes yeah. it's not perfect. Right. Yeah. Like I remember, um, one time our eldest son came home from, you know, university and he was kind of like, Oh, I gotta, you know, go to church. Like we, that's another thing. I'm sure like you, Joy, we were like, if you live in our house, you come to church right? every Sunday. Um, but he, he was like, I don't want to talk to Mrs. So-and-so. Cause she always like, she's so nosy and she, and I was like, Eric, she loves you. That's why yeah. Mrs. So-and-so does that. Uh, and then later on, on Sunday, like she had him backed into a corner, like finding out how he was, but I could see that he liked it, you know, yes. he did feel loved. And I think that's the thing. Clergy kids also are special kids. And I think right. we tried to um, remind our children of that too. Like people love you and they're interested in you and yeah. Okay. Not everybody loves you maybe, <laughs> right? but you know, they got in trouble with the ladies sometimes. Um, but you know, there's lots of fun things. They get to run through the hall, you know, when it's right. empty, they get all the leftover funeral food, you know, if they right. want it, they, people give us gifts at Christmas. Like we really, you know, they drop off cookies. There's, um, there's, they're special. Right. Kids are special. And usually a nice loving church is nice and loving to them. And that is special and fun. And I think our kids have lots of those kinds of memories yeah. and I'm really glad. That's really good because you know what, they have to endure the the challenges, the hard parts, let them enjoy the perks and the fun. Exactly. Yeah. That's so important. So the big subject that I talk a lot about with people that I interview and even just my, you know, my friends that are in ministry is friendships in the church. Mm -hmm. And I get all different answers. Yeah. I have people, a, a good amount of people say my best friends are in the church. Mm -hmm. There are people that I minister to and other people that say, no way, I don't have friends in the church. But I love you say this um, about friendships in the church. You said, I have not figured this out and maybe I never will. But when I meet a minister's wife who says her best friends are in her congregation then I think I am meeting a minister's wife who hasn't slammed her hand in that car door yet. Maybe she never will, but if she does, I hope she will call me because I would like to hold some ice on it until the swelling goes down, alternating with something warm as doctors say to do. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was really yeah. good. So talk about just briefly your experience with that. Yeah. I mean, I, I really mean it that I don't know the answer. And I, and you know, it's funny, Joy, like, I, this is something um, that I think people are interested in talking about in relation to the book. And I confess to you that I always feel a little uncomfortable because I'm like, someone like, and this is, this is the world we are in, because I feel like what someone from the church you know, that we're in now, here's this and thinks I don't want to be their friend. <laughs> right. You know, and so like, it just shows the layers to this, right. the layers to this conversation. Um, Cause I do have, I have very good friends who are and have been in churches where Brent has been the pastor. I will say that I think Cause I couldn't help it. Like I really like right. her, you know, and, uh, and we get along well. And, but there are a lot of things to be careful about. And one of, one of them, which I actually don't think I mentioned in the book, but I think it's very real is like having favorites people, mm. the rest of the church can feel, uh, left out right. and alienated by your special friendship. And so I think that's a very real thing. And then you start to sneak around <laughs> right. to meet your friend, you know, in another town or something like, it's just weird and complicated. Right. Um, so some of my friendships have gotten better after we've left the church. Okay. Um, so, you know, I'm still, you know, in very close contact with a couple of women from the last church where Brent was 
the rector, we call it. And, um, you know, I think our friendship has blossomed since we left because there's just, I don't know, kind of a freedom there. But mm. I think I've also had it go wrong where I was, you know, good friends with someone and then they start to hate your husband. Right. <laughs> it's like so awkward. Um, so I feel like it's just not easy. And it's a shame in a way, because you would think that would be your, I mean, that is your community. That is your default group of people right. from whom you would think, you know, naturally you um, get along better with some than others. And, you know, some of them like to play Pictionary on a Friday night and others don't. And, um, you know, I think, you know, know pretty quickly um, who wants to hear about all, all your you know, problems with your mother, <laughs> right, or whatever, and who doesn't. And so I, I know, I just, I think it's like, buyer beware, kind of like, right. you have to enter into it, knowing that it can go south. And um, right. I think, for me, a big, a big thing is that women, in particular, I think we do, uh, we go vulnerable quickly, usually right. when we feel safe in a friendship. And, you know, sometimes we want to talk about our marriages and our husband. And I like, that is a line I will not cross. I won't, right. you know, talk about Brent in a way that, you know, might be negative or something, you know, as, mm. as women sometimes talk about their husbands or marriages like often always I think with good intent like you want help or whatever you're trying to be uh get advice or whatever and so then for me I think well then there is there is a wall here that right is not so so you're not my best friend like I don't know tell right. me Joy <laughs> I I will say the one thing I learned is there's no right answer okay I that think sounds good <laughs> there's no you know it's some people are in, in churches that, you know, they're very, they're warm and they're, it's a family and they're embracing. And I, I think the things that women um, speak to me about the, the things that are wise, you know, be careful, put yeah. up boundaries and, you know, it can be lonely and it could be sad not having women in your church that you are super close with. Um, I have never heard somebody talk about the favoritism aspect. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that because I have been that person that has seen special relationships where you're like, you're wanting to break in or you're wanting that. And so being aware of that other people can see that and feel that way, I think is super important, but yes, I've learned there's no right answer. There's things that we can do to be wise, yeah. but everybody has just different experiences. I know. I know. And I, I do think, um, I think it's different for women. Like I, I, I'm very aware, you know, that there are men married to female ministers. Um, I, that's not the book I was writing. Like I, I was writing from my experience as a minister's wife. And uh, obviously that's what I called the book, but I, I don't think that like men married to women go through this sort of torment <laughs> you know, right now about friendships in the church so I think there is some there's some layer because I think women do friendships differently and right. um and you know if if we were just going bowling together this wouldn't be a question but we know that we're going to be talking about stuff right I mean that's right. the that's the potential that's the joy and the and the the problem potentially. So yeah, we'll right. have to keep solving this joy. We'll yeah, this is an on ongoing. <laughs> it's definitely an ongoing. Um, so just a few other things that I want to highlight from the book that really spoke to me. It's funny because I came to your chapter on envy. And as soon as I saw it, so another pastor's wife and myself are actually going through this together. She lives far away, but we talked via Marco Polo, which you either love Marco Polo or you hate it, but I happen to love it. Um, so we talk via, you know, Marco Polo and she's in the same spot with me. We're agreeing to work through our envy together. Oh, and so when wow. I came upon this like chapter, it really was something because, you know, this is obviously not just for a minister's wife, but you can see it in ministry. 
you can look at other women, other women who you think have it right. Um, something that you, I've heard you say, or I've read a few times in the book is that you speak things, you, you speak it out loud to God. You, yeah. you don't try to like ignore it or hide it. So you say, um, that you admit things to God. Yeah. And so that was something that I jumped on Marco Polo and I, I read this to my friend. Um, you know, you say something that helps me is, you know, you, you speak this out loud to God, um, admitting my envy to God, having someone sit beside me who treats me tenderly and is not interested in shaming me is to behave in the opposite way that envy would seem to otherwise demand if envy were my evil overlord. <laughs> Don't Why do did I what... write that. I... <laughs> no, it's so good because you have such a great way with words. Um, but it's so good. You say, don't do what envy wants, do what yeah. love commands. Yeah. And so then you talk about like, if I'm feeling this, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to be giving. Um, yeah. and so that was something that I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to start to do that. I have these things where, you know, it says it, you say it dies when I see my own plenty all around me, everywhere I look and take conscious note of my abundance and wish the same for others. And I think something that really spoke to me was, you know, calling it out, mm -hmm. not hiding these things that we struggle with. Yeah. Um, and you, t you talk about talking about what Jesus says, not storing up treasures on earth, but treasures in heaven. So I thought that was so good. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I, cause that was, that was, um, one of the sections in the book that I definitely felt more vulnerable about, you mm. know, because envy can be ugly. I mean, it just yes. is yucky, right? Right. And I think, I don't know at what stage in my Christian life, the light bulb went on and I was like, oh yeah, God really does see everything and know everything. And I really like, when, when I finally actually kind of understood that, I think, fully and so burying all the ugliness does nothing right <laughs> except maybe give us an ulcer um and then this idea of of doing the opposite feels um very mm. you know right like pray for your enemies you know bless those who persecute you like those are the verses that helped me see that that the discipline to get out of that trap um, is to, so just like in the last two nights, I have experienced like real envy toward um, like another author who I'm just sure her book is going to do way better than mine. Mm. And I like, that's how awful I am. Yeah. no <laughs> and so I and I like I knew what to do and I will have to keep doing this it's not like a one-time you know magic formula but I'm like Jesus bless her and yes. bless her book you know make yeah. it soar and that is that is the only way to root mm. it out I think eventually you know we have to Ugh, I wish I was better. <laughs> no, but I think the fact that you're talking about this, that you put this in the book. So women struggle with this and they keep it silent. It is something so many women I talk to struggle with it. They think somebody else is doing it right. Somebody else yeah. is going to, you know, uh, even ministry wise, I struggle with right. it. I, I started this ministry. Is it ever going to go anywhere? Is Oh, that person started, that person's doing better. And it's, what it yeah. does is it's paralyzing us. Yeah. And I'm not enjoying life right now. <laughs> right. This is something I'm really struggling with. And so for you to yeah. say to, to, okay, let's bring it to light and talk about it in yourself. I'm going, yes, I know so many women, the other pastor's wife and I talk about this so much. She's like, I can't be on Instagram right now. Oh, I'm I know. Looking Instagram at is just horrible for it's this. It's tough. <laughs> and, um, and so I think it's so important that you give a voice to this because I don't want to live like this. And so when I saw that in the book, I was like, Lord, like you are speaking to me because I am in, I am in the depths right now of this. And it, yeah. it stinks. Like I hate it. It does so stink. It's, yeah. 
I mean, another thing I've learned, Joy, and I, I mean, you, you're doing it. You have a friend that you are speaking candidly with. And, you know, Brent has really helped me with this too. Like, uh, uh, he, you know, he's probably the person sitting next to me, not shaming me uh, when mm. I, and that, that was a journey in my marriage. And I talk about that in the marriage chapter a little bit, like the, again, being seen very clearly uh, by somebody who still loves mm. me. And right. so I, I, I tell him I'm feeling these things too. And I, I, he helps, he does, he definitely helps me. He's helped yeah. me realize it's not like so awful. You know, when you say it out loud and someone like you've helped me joy by sharing that with me, like I, I feel better because yeah. you shared that. And it's, it's like, yeah, we're in it together. It's okay. Right. It's okay. Right. And that, and that's, like 90% of what, what I want this ministry to be. Let's, yeah. let's speak it out. Um, yeah. because then we're, we're lifting each other up and we're helping each right. other and we're, you know, it's, it's very powerful. Yeah, I think it is. I think there's so much beauty and just in being honest, um, right. you know, in a, in a safe place, hopefully. And then if it's not, it's still worth the risk. It is. It really is. So I'm, also going to say something that you read something you're not going to like, but <laughs> I think uh -oh. it's, it's so good. And it, it's something else that needs to be said because so many women are going, yes, me too. So I wanted to just touch on this chapter about disappointment. Okay. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so I, again, this is another one where I'm reading it to my husband and I'm crying. You talk about a, um, church in New York city yeah. that you had just wrapped your mind around. This was where we were going and this was so exciting. And, mm -hmm. you know, you started to like put plants up, you know, and <laughs> I have and, a rich imagination. <laughs> yes. Well, I think we, as women do that, we envision ourselves. We think something's going to go a certain way and you're already picking out the curtains. You're already, you know, and then yeah. so when it doesn't happen, it's crushing. We can mm -hmm. all relate to that. So then you talk about it, it didn't work out. You didn't go to yeah. this church. Um, you say that, you know, it was just, it was crushing to you. You said, I know, I knew I had to shove my way through this. It was not going to be a quick recovery. I had made room in my life for my big want. Now I had to make room in my room for my big disappointment. I looked at it closely. I asked it questions. I took it with me on my walks with my dog my feet now firmly planted on the hard ground. You say, I, one day on a walk, I finally admitted to God, I thought New York City was our reward. I'd entered into my own, um, I'm sorry, I lost my spot. Um, okay, as if I, and as if I were in a conversation in the middle of the silent ro road, I heard, I am your reward. And I said back, you are not enough. Oh, my <laughs> No, it's, it's so good. It was my confession and it shocked me. I shocked myself, but it was what I really felt in the deepest part of myself. And I had to express it. I said the worst thing I thought I could say to the God who loves me. And I was not struck down, but lifted up. My admission cleared the air and it started the slow process of clearing my heart. I, I thought that was so good and so important that you said that because again, you are giving a voice to something that you're struggling with. Once you give voice to it and look at it, okay, now the healing can begin. Yeah. And I think so many times we look at something as this is our reward. This is what the Lord, you know, we've worked hard. This is how it's going to go. And when it doesn't, you feel like, you know, that, that sinking. And I, again, I read this and I was so moved because you're giving voice to something that so many women feel. And you're looking at something, you're not ignoring it. You're not just trying yeah. to, you know, heal and move on, but you're looking at it. And when you look at something, all the ugliness or all the challenge, that's when you start that journey of moving on. Yeah. I think just what, thank you. What we had, were just talking about, about admitting all the garbage helped prepare me, you know, for that, uh, really was a deep disappointment. I, and, um, and when I said that on the road that day, I can, 
I can remember Joy. It was a, an almost immediate lightening of my spirit. Yeah. I. It didn't all go away. I mean, I. I when you sort of want something really badly and it's just within your grasp and then all of a sudden it's not like, it's not like this instant healing. We all know that there's nothing that's instant. Um, but I felt better immediately when I said what for me was like an awful thing Yeah. and a shocking thing. I did surprise, I did shock myself. And then, and then I was like, Oh, it's going to be okay. Yeah. It's going to be better. And, and then I, uh, you know, I called a friend who I knew had been equally disappointed in the exact same way, like mm. so sure that her husband was going to get, you know, right. um, appointed to this church that would be in a better place for her and, uh, you know, all kinds of things and just really felt like it was the Lord working it out. You know, sometimes right. you just think, look what's happening. Right. <laughs> you know, the doors are opening. Like we, you, we have these formulas we use, like, well, if the door opens, okay. And then, oh, another door just opened. And I'm, I'm, I'm walking down this hall of opening right. doors like we take it as some kind of signs right. or right? something too like oh the lord i i have found favor with the lord and then <laughs> yes. when it doesn't work out like what have i done what i'm does not that mean yeah right. exactly i know i really thought that i i right. thought like that was my sort of wildest fantasy i guess was you know living in new york city and being a writer like i really thought we are heading to the highest echelon of cool pastor life. Mm. <laughs> you know? And wow, you know, you have not forgotten your servant. And then uh. boom, no, that's actually not what's happening. So it's like, how did I misunderstand? Like right. I, I really did. So I, I had really allowed myself to think things that you know, or interpret things or whatever. So I really had to re-examine so much, but I, and then you know, the trick is, Joy, as you know, who do you talk about it with? Right. Like, right? Right. Not, yes. Not your good friend in the church that you've right. made. <laughs> right. And and then you're even, you're sinking or you're struggling or you're walking through this hard time. And so you're, you're maybe different, but you can't tell them why. You can't tell right. them why I'm sad and why I don't want to go out and why, you know. It's, right. Art. Yeah. So uh, anyway, that's why we need good friends who yes. are also, um, yeah, you know, I, understand. It, really, it was, it was very freeing to read that and hear you say, um, that back to God. And I've had those moments when I, you know, I remember specifically years ago, I think it was right after my last son was born saying to God, like, God, I know you're real, but I don't know if I want to know you. Mm. And it was, you know, after, you know, witnessing a very tragic passing of a little, little boy right oh. in front of my eyes. And, oh. you know, again, you talk about coming upon that accident in the book and I could so yeah. relate. And, you know, I knew I was there because this little boy was going to be healed and it didn't go my way. And, mm. um, saying that to God, and it took me a long, you know, it took me a long time to work through that, but it was like, yeah. I said to God, I don't know if I want to know you, you know? And yeah. I so totally understand that. I, I remember when our first child was born thinking, you don't get him. <laughs> like, I remember yes. thinking that, like, I'm not willing to sacrifice. I don't want to be, I don't want to be a motivational story for someone else. Right. Like I want my children kept safe. And right. uh, so I, I had to, I definitely had to wrestle through that. So I'm like, I'm glad you said that joy that it's very helpful. Yeah. yeah. You know, that chapter, which is called disappointment in, uh, when I wrote it uh, initially, I, titled it ambition um, mm. because for me it was also and I didn't really end up going there and maybe that's why the my editor said I think we should call it disappointment but it, mm. it also to me it was an interesting to think about how we might be ambitious in this life in which we are not supposed to be ambitious because right. I don't think people talk about that very much and I, I think there's lots more that could be said about that I, I actually think that's really good something that you know, is, is a huge topic because, uh, you know, and you even talk about it in uh, the next thing I was going to talk about is moving on, you know, um, not putting roots down so deep somewhere because this mm -hmm. is the life that we're to hold loosely. And, you know, so ambition, that's, 
that's a tricky one. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It really is something to think more about. Mm -hmm. Um, You talk about moving on. And again, something I can so relate. It's like, okay, is, did we stay too long? Did we, uh, are we leaving too too soon? soon. (laughs) Right. And that's something that so many people can relate to. Um, But I love, I love the spot where you talk about our, your moves were based on your husband's calling and you following you say it is, it's true that all our moves were about his calling, his calling and my following, how terrible it must have been for him to discover, to discover. I sometimes had this feeling of following and never leading of lagging behind and not standing beside saying it out loud helped. <laughs> I aired out my feelings like a bedsheet hung on a line. I trust you. I would say that to God as I stood in a room, either just emptied or about to be filled. When we left one place and arrived at another, saying it reminded me that I did and I could and I would. And if I trusted God, it helped me trust Brent and our decision making and that there would be something in that move for me as well. I love so much about that. You, I'm going to steal that standing in a room and saying, I trust God. And, you know, ministry is hard. You, you are moving um, around. You are to hold loosely to things because God moves you and calls you different places. And sometimes we do have that feeling of, I'm just following my husband. It's his Mm -hmm. calling. It's his moving. But to say it out loud and to see that, you know, this, that you're in it together. I thought this was so beautifully said. And, and we, and I, and I trust you even when it doesn't work out, you know, that's uh, like, that's which, which, you know, and that's where it all hits the road. I I've heard, you know, we've all heard really sad stories of people who even move like their whole family across the country or to a different country even, and it doesn't work out (laughs) or something really hard happens and and it's like yet will I trust you you know that's that's, so good that's what we're called to and that's uh it's hard but it's and it's work and it's risky and 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 saying it helps it's like a pledge I mean sometimes we say things um to help us really say them you know yeah I really think that that's true right That's so good. And I, the last thing I'm going to say in the book that really was like a wow moment is when you moved your son in the middle of his junior year and um, you met a woman and you're telling her it's been very difficult for our son. And she says, what's his name? And you told her, and she said, I'll pray for him. Resilience. She said, that is what you are giving your son. I thanked her his whole life. This gift will serve him well. And I was like, okay, because I don't, I don't know when we're going to move our sons and I don't know, but these things that you think you're messing them up, moving him in his junior year, like that's a big deal for a parent and for, for a child and looking at it as a gift of what you're giving him that will serve him his whole life. That was really inspiring. But Joy, I will tell you, he hated us (laughs) it was no fun but we what we kept saying to him was um we would never do anything that we thought would hurt you and Mm. we believe that this you know yeah it like it hurts in the short term but i mean hurt yeah hurt hurt, you know damage you and we know you're strong enough we know you're strong enough Mm. and he i mean uh a couple of like our last Thanksgiving together as a, as a family, our most recent Thanksgiving, he, you know, we always do the, what you're thankful for. And he said he was thankful we moved and that, and I, it was all I could do to not burst into tears at the table. And, and he, uh, and yet I know that it could have, you know, there's no guarantee that, that he would ever say that, but he has, he has had found the grace <laughs> to right. say that was actually a good move for me. And he, he's so, you know, I am so thankful for that. I, but yeah, I think it's a big thing where we're shepherding these vulnerable people 
right. who are with us on this journey and we need to take good care of them, but also they are stronger than we know too. Mm. And we can trust God with them, even mm. as we are very, very careful with them. Yes. So as we're winding down, I know this is a big question, but if you could go back and tell your young, something to your younger self, as you're starting out in ministry, what would you say? Yeah, I was, I was, um, I hope I, I bet I wouldn't, I bet I wouldn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> no, we never do. <laughs> but I think, um, I would say church will be different for you and, um, you need to find a nurturing spiritual life mm. that isn't rooted necessarily in this, you know, building in which your husband is the pastor. So mm. I would, um, like I have a spiritual director now that I meet with monthly. That's pretty new for me. Like in the last year, I think I would tell my younger self do that wow. now, okay. do that now. And, and really, uh, take control of your own spiritual life. Um, I'm like unruly and undisciplined. And so, uh, for me, the practice of spiritual disciplines real, like, yeah, discipline is the word mm. it's, uh, I'm, you know, in and out and it's like going to the gym. I, I join, well, I join and then I drop out, you know, but right. I still believe it's working toward, um, you know, an ultimate better, mm goal. So I would, I would really go back and try to talk sense into me and say, you need to be in charge. You need to take control of your own right. spiritual well-being. And mm. it's probably not going to happen within right where, where your husband's a pastor. You need to get like somebody else speaking into your life. So, right. That's yeah. really good. So any parting words to the woman who is listening and trying to find her place um, in ministry as a minister's wife, any parting words that you would tell her? Yeah, I, f I feel like, uh, you know, when I meet a young minister's wife um, or somebody, you know, a, married to a seminary student and they're, uh, that's the direction that they're heading, I, I really do want to give them a hug and mm. say, like, call me in five years <laughs> or 10 right. years or whatever. Like, I think, so that tells me that I think my, advice is find someone, find someone who can, you know, whether it's a mentor, whether we use that word or not, but someone that you can call who's a little more mm. uh, like seasoned or whatever, and just be able to speak to them and ask for advice sometimes and guidance. And you do learn things, right? Like right. I'm sure you, sure. you know, like I would go back now and you know, there are things I would change. Um, mm. Usually, you know, mostly like my own mistakes and uh, maybe things I said that were harsh or I don't know mm. what, or even just getting too pulled in, you know, getting, right. going, riding the roller coaster. Like, and if somebody leaves the church being like, oh, you know, right. panicky, hurt, oh no, uh, right. it would have helped me to call up an older woman um, who'd been in it a bit longer and say, walk me through this. Right. And I, I didn't really have that. And I, I think that's my advice. Find someone to talk to because it will help. It will help with everything. Think right. how less alone we would feel. Right. Right. That's and that's so what good. you're doing. Like that's, I, that's my advice. Go yeah. to joy. Yeah. <laughs> It's so important. I love doing it because I was that person, you know, many years ago going, what am I doing? Why is this difficult? I had no idea. And I wish like, I'm trying to be that person that I wished I had. Good. Good. Yeah. So. I love that. I, I love that. And I, when I think about this book, I didn't, again, I wasn't setting out to do, to do this, but I think, I think I wrote the book that I would have liked to have read. 25 right. years ago. So uh, I totally resonate with that feeling. Like we, we we've learned some stuff. <laughs> we've learned, you know, we remember what we didn't know. We didn't know. And now we can maybe help other people. Right. So, well, I, I love it. I was definitely surprised at 
you know, how much it spoke to me and encouraged me in the, the moments I'm in right now. It, I thought, like I said, I was going to say, I was going to be like, oh yeah, I can relate. But not only did I say, oh yes, that's me. I was inspired. I was encouraged. I was challenged and I was brought to tears and I really felt the Lord speaking to me some things through this. Um, so I'm going to put a link in the show notes. I'm going to put it on, um, under resources on my website. And I encourage everyone to grab a copy to, as a gift of a friend, um, because it's really important. I think it's really important, um, for women for where they're at right now. So thank you so much for writing this. Well, Joy, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. I, I will be following you and sharing your work. And uh, you, I'm just really grateful. You, you would have you would have been a help to me 20 years ago. Aww. So I'm thank cheering you. you on. Thank you so much, Karen. Thank you so much for listening today. I'm going to put a link to Karen's book in the show notes. And as always, if you need prayer, you can go to our website to submit an anonymous request. You can email us at joyforministry at gmail.com. We would love to pray for you and walk alongside you. Hey, will you share this podcast with somebody today? Also, rate us, like us, subscribe. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week.